Hello, and welcome to Supply Chain A to Z. I'm Trisha Kearns, Professor of Supply Chain Management at Governor State University and Associate Director of the new Supply Chain Innovation Center and Business Incubator. Whether you're a business owner or a supply chain professional, or simply interested in supply chain trends, we invite you to hear from industry experts who are leaders of supply chain. Stick around to learn more. Hello, Dr. Tricia Kearns here from Governor State University, and I am happy to be here today with Ralph Kuhn. Ralph has a significant background in IT, ERP implementation, as well as supply chain. He is an independent consultant working for very large companies to mid-sized companies. Some of those names, W.W. Granger, Baxter, Medline, Taylor Farms. He is also a master instructor with ASCM, as we know, Apex, um, working with them for 30 plus years, teaching CPIM and CLTD. Uh, Ralph also does project consulting as well as customized training programs. Ralph, thanks so much for taking the time out to meet with me today. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. I am excited. You are a perfect person to talk about supply chain risk management. And boy, it is quite a time. Hopefully post-COVID is just on the horizon. And we are going to learn the do's and don'ts from what happens when our economy and our supply chain get into a pandemic. So let me start out by talking about, talk to the audience about a knowledge the base knowledge for develop, developing a supply chain risk management plan? Well, what's going on recently is uh, everybody's experience dealing with pandemic, dealing, dealing with supply chain problems as we start up the economies again. And I can give you my most recent example, working with Taylor Farms. They are a, uh, not just a producer of great salads that might be available at your local retailer, but they have other customers too. And they are a business that typically starts early in the morning and finishes delivering products by the middle of the day, because every day their products go out to customers to be used, to be used fresh. But during the pandemic, there was a need for the capability to supply meals to hungry people. And they that were um, in a situation where they just needed to use a source of food that they hadn't used before. That all happened with uh, coordinating uh, semi-trucks of delivery of potatoes, onions, other meats and things like that to go into meals boxes. And those meal boxes were uh, then to be shipped out. Well, this all had to be built into their normal schedule of getting products started at 6 a.m. and being able to ship them to their customers by the latest 10 o'clock in the morning for use as either lunches or then food for later in the day. Therefore, all the work that had to be done for those new meal box orders had to be completed by basically 5 a.m. so that the trucks could ship it out. So that meant all ingredients had to be received between midnight and 2 a.m. to be then unloaded and prepped on the production lines. Supply chain risk management, that was not part of their customer base and they had to build it in. But they also had to coordinate all the needs for delivery, logistics, planning, as well as then making sure that the product was always there on time. Even so much as a driver being late could cause problems. So this is uh, some of my background in helping them coordinate that. 
but also uh, working with companies like Medline, which uh, when I started working with them in 95, we were talking about inventory management. More recently, we've been providing CPIM training, but I will tell you this, I had not anticipated the fact that the pandemic was going to hit. We had to switch to Zoom training as opposed to in-person training. But also, most famously, one of my students called me and said, I'm going to be late for class, which we started at 4 p.m. Because he had a meeting on uh, gowns and then um, gloves because of the fact that they were both PPE equipment and they were constrained and needed to make sure that that was all received. Mm -hmm. Shortly thereafter, their CEO wound up in the White House and uh, was on TV news. So helping understand these things in terms of our understanding of supply chain management and risk management together, I can give you a real definition actually that we can work with. The Supply Chain Risk Leadership Council defines risk management as the coordination of activities to direct and control an enterprise's end-to-end supply chain with regard to those supply chain risks. Supply chain risk management is also a subset of enterprise risk management because there could be other risk managements taking other risks taking precedent. In other words, as an example, a regulatory issue or something that must be adhered to because of legal and or recall and things like that. So supply chain risk management offers us the opportunity to look at how we manage materials, both direct and indirect. So if there's a risk in terms of whether it be IT, equipment or trade show supplies, those could be as critical as the components that we use in our products and or our relationships with our suppliers. Also, typically we're most concerned with those suppliers that supply us directly. Supply chain risk management needs to go all the way back and look at our supplier suppliers and then even farther back. Mm -hmm. Also have to look at logistics. We wanna remember Also, a key thought process that needs to be held and used is that risks cannot be resolved, only mitigated. But I have an interesting story that you can find more information on, but I'll share. Seems GM was concerned about risk management for their supply chain. And one of the first steps you need to do in your supply chain risk management is to do an assessment of what's happening in terms of causing you risk. There's a great YouTube video you can watch presented by a professional supply chain manager, risk manager at GM on how they did their assessment. And he put up a slide that talked about a 2017 study they did out of all their events that caused risks or problems with supply chain. It was amazing to them to find out that the number one risk to their supply chain was fires and explosions at factories of their suppliers. And this was by far a very large impact. The next one was then floods and cyclones and earthquakes, the more natural events. Why is that significant? Well, until we do an assessment and start to understand what's impacting our suppliers, we're not gonna really understand how we can help mitigate and or share our focus with our suppliers. You can't do supply chain risk management alone, of course, but we do have to understand how to become effective in our planning. I'm now gonna give you a very simple thought process that isn't original, but I would like to share with you that I've used it in probably every single class and client situation. 
And that thought process is I'd much rather plan a crisis than have one. <laughs> and let me just tell you, think about that. When we were children in elementary school, we did our first fire drill. Okay. Do you have a fire drill plan at home? We talk about a to-go bag, as if you will, for emergencies. But do, you, do your family members know? Do you, they know how to reach you in case there would be a disaster that we really don't even want to think about? Okay. So planning a crisis is a practiced event. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But the ability for GM to then say, well, we have all these fires happening. They can't just tell their suppliers not to have fires. But we do have to understand how to mitigate that situation. So that says that, and then in the video from the GM uh, uh, risk management leader, he said that they worked with one company that specializes in this in terms of software support. And so I went to that recommended link and lo and behold, there was a great example. And that was that this person actually staged a crisis. Well, think about it. A fire drill is a staged execution of a, what if there is a fire? So I'm not recommending that you literally have a crisis with a risk in a supply chain, but I do recommend you say, what if it happened? And therefore, what we want to make sure is who would we contact at our suppliers, as an example? Where would we go to work with them almost real-time basis? Because you don't want to wait a couple of days. And one of the things that was mentioned during that presentation was, you want to be able to basically partner with your suppliers, help them as well as yourself, because their problem is not something that they're dealing with to, that they had planned, of course. Maybe they are being good and responding, but then that means that it's still gonna take a while. Think of the tsunami that hit Toyota in the Fukushima area where a majority of their suppliers were. Toyota had to issue a statement to their customers saying, we don't know when we're going to be able to build another Camry. We will let you know as soon as we can even determine that. But at least there was some degree of communication. So our capability to then have a good, effective risk management plan says that we are going to then have the ability to develop what's called a risk profile. And that risk profile simply says we need to understand contact points and we want to understand the potential for risk, I mean, not every one of our suppliers is making things that are either explosive or hazardous or things like that. They're used to having a risk profile. But in terms of a food supplier and the capability to do a recall uh, and other food suppliers that have other challenges for allergens and things like that. So those things we're used to dealing with, but we then need to add a broader question, and that is, how do we work together to determine where the problems are coming from and how we can effectively contact each other and partner to work together? Mm -hmm. That's a risk assessment. So the next element of mitigation, and let me let you know, I, I differ slightly from the Project Management Institute because they talk about issues and risks. But I'd like to clarify in my mind with you that an issue can be owned by someone and completed on a certain date and addressed and resolved. A risk will never go away. So therefore your risk assessment needs to then lead you to risk control. What tools and techniques can we use to plan the crisis? 
And how do we document the process? When I worked for the phone company, AKA Ameritech then became SBC. And when I was working with my team that worked with uh, Frame, ATM and other highly technical data products, the group was challenged, my team was challenged to try and write their documentation that we give to contractors and our customers on how to implement or manage these highly complex frame, uh, frame ATM tools, as an example, you know, an ATM network for a retailer, as an example. So what we want to do is let them have instructions, I told my team, that is written at a seventh grade level, not in the technical jargon that we've always used within the industry. So I asked two people to address the first instance of that in our, our group. And lo and behold, it took them a couple of months but by the time they were done and they shared with my team some of the challenges that they bumped into, and they said they learned a lot by doing this. So that documenting the process is actually a, a way you're going to probably iterate back and or go up to the risk assessment or the risk profile and say, look at this. Okay. But let's think about how we document and or our, have a capability to monitor and review. Let's think about a 911 center or a fire department. Okay, where they're trying to address fires or other crises. They have a map and there are software capabilities, technical capabilities where you can see these maps. You can work with them. Well, we want to develop that same sort of map. Apex has a group called, uh, uh, a technique and process called SCORE, supply chain monitoring and planning. And one of the things they talk about is developing uh, network map for your distribution network, your supply chain network. Well, now we can expand that to start to monitor our supply chain risk and turn it into a risk map because there's actually five different types of risk we're going to deal with. What we're hearing about now with container problems out in the West Coast could be an implementation risk. Uh, it could be a strategy risk. It could be an implementation risk combined with a market risk. So let me quickly define the five risks and explain. So strategy risk, that inv involves choosing the right supply management strategy. Well, some companies are saying, you know what, we are having challenges dealing with overseas suppliers. Therefore, we might wanna insource and develop local suppliers. They may be more expensive, but at the same time, it may be that we now have the capability to have reliable delivery in a much shorter lead time, even though we're paying a higher unit cost. And how do we know that we're going to have a secure supplier? Okay, uh, market risk, that says that we might bump into business units or opportunities that look good, but are actually gonna provide us with either unacceptable revenue margin or losses that we hadn't expected that impact our risk appetite. Actually, one of those market risks could be a supplier becoming a competitor. The most famous one out of my whole professional career was I did some forecasting consulting with a company here in the Chicagoland area called Fellows Manufacturing, famous for their shredders. They had a Chinese manufacturer of shredders and lo and behold, that supplier became a competitor. There was absolutely nothing that they can do. And at that time, shredders made strips and the reason why we now all have crosscut shredders is because 
fellows developed and worked on developing a cross-cut shredder because that was something they could patent and therefore no longer worry about the Chinese supplier taking away market share from them. Yeah, that's interesting. I, you know, I, I had wondered where the cross cut had come from. That fascinating story. So when we think about risk management, who in an organization ultimately owns that? I mean, who do we call to say, hey, share with us your supply chain risk plan? If you're a large corporation, you most probably need to think about applying some headcount and or some uh, resources because the fact that there's actual work in keeping the supply chain risk network defined, whether it be keeping the contact database accurate and up to date, uh, whether it be that you're getting new or different suppliers, and then you want to understand what those, so you're going to be working with them. And then the last part of the work is understanding how this is going to impact work that you're doing with other projects. So you may have a corporate project management office. You may have prioritization rules on how regular programs for whether it be putting in new equipment, new software, or developing and or integrating a new acquisition. So those need to be applied in terms of competing projects and resources. And how do you then get people to spend time on making sure that the risk management can be established? So that is something that needs to be assessed and evaluated as a company at the highest level because the fact that it could literally be that it, we could wind up no longer being in business. Look at what's happened during the pandemic. Yet, if we really want to think about this, we may just want to quickly give credit to one of my personal professional heroes, and that's Chef Andre, a very successful chef who said, I need to go to Haiti. I need to go to Puerto Rico and feed those people. And then he suddenly developed the capability to get food to those people by talking to suppliers that weren't normally supplying that area. But when Chef Andre said, I need your help, they gave him help. Mm -hmm. So how do we get our team to coordinate? Well, that says that not only do we need to get the uh, resources necessary, but we then have to start to have people understand the significance of us of possibly looking at our supplier certification criteria and including the risk management aspect of work into our contracts, into our certification criteria, and actually test that with our suppliers. And in some cases, using a phrase I've learned a while ago, co-op, co, pardon me, I'm going to have to say it. We wanna co-compete or co-partner with our suppliers and our industry peers because the fact that some of these things may be industry related issues, not just a one supplier to one customer relationship. And there's an actual term for that. It's called risk pooling, where the industry works together to address and understand. As an example, uh, I had the experience of working with Granger on the chainsaw issue in terms of when we go into hurricane season, that we need to understand how to have enough hurricane, post hurricane damage equipment ready. And because of that, when I was working for the phone company, when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, I said to my boss, we're up here in the Midwest, but we may have people who are in businesses that have been impacted because they have offices or suppliers in that area that's been impacted by the bad weather down there. And I said, how do we communicate to them? He said, well, I don't know. You better find out about it. 
So I literally wound up talking to our Washington, D.C. legal office that dealt with a formal prioritization that the telecommunications industry uses. And we had never partnered with that in terms of our relationship with the major customers of ours that were buying these data products. That leads then to one other thing that we need to think about as a technique. That is risk hedging. Okay, We all have buffers, whether it be our inventory for our customers, whether it be our inventory of raw materials. But how much do we want to make sure that we have enough? I mean, let's talk about toilet paper and other products being hoarded. Okay. Well, Unilever, a major corporation we're all very familiar with, offered $500 million to mid-sized slash small suppliers by giving them early payments. And that was not a materials buffer. That became a cash buffer. How important is it to know that your suppliers are capable of staying in business during a time when their cash flow streams and buffers, you know, their reserves of cash may need to be supported. Mm-hmm. So we think about these fire drills I talked about or practicing for a disaster, a supply chain risk actually happening. That sort of thought process has to look at the three key flows, the materials, the dollars and the information flows. So remember I said there's effort necessary. Well, that means we need to be able to then have our customers and our suppliers have our share with us their key contacts that will be working on risk management or making sure that we can have the logistics contact for their either shipping or receiving of product. So then we can ask, if you have a customer who has an urgent order, how quickly can you get it out? Most companies know this. Well, what if there was a disaster? How quickly could you get restored? And or what would you do to mitigate that disaster? And therefore now it becomes a shared fire drill. We look at our reporting as another key thing. We wanna do regular readouts on this to management other assessments besides just how successfully we can do a drill to prove that there are supply chain risk management techniques and tools and partnerships work. And that would be the response times, okay? The number of information points that we know of and use and prove and constantly are testing and making sure they stay current. So a, an actual reporting structure should be looked at as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I, some of our listeners, it's very fascinating to think about that from General Motors to, you know, the chainsaw that you had mentioned that example to the perishable food supplies. And, you know, finally cash, you know, financially, are you able to sustain where we are? So if I'm one of my listeners and I'm saying, okay, Ralph, what do we do? Where do we go for help? Where do we send our team for training? What, what would you tell them? Call me. Oh, no, no, no. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) Once again, I I mentioned the, uh, let me give you the correct name. You can go to the website for the Supply Chain Risk Leadership Council, Mm -hmm. and you can become a member of that organization. But also, uh, if you go to the ASCM website, we have several free videos to talk about supply chain issues, including risk management. And we are starting to talk about this more and more because of the fact that it's not only good to plan a crisis and be ready if you do have one, but more importantly is that we have to have a common terminology and understand how we look at, as an example, the logistics of how many volumes per day are you dealing with? 
what transport methods are in use and location. You know, currently there's a rain situation in California that's causing rock slides and highways are becoming unavailable. So we may want to start to understand, you know, what are their contact points to understand what's going on. And what I mean by that is you may actually need to understand local authorities that are in your area for your suppliers or customers, because if they can't ship and deliver, that's just as bad as not being able to produce or, or have cash to do business. So the logistics aspect also has to be involved. So the council logistics management is a, oh, that's the old name. I'm sorry. Um, Trish, help me. The new name for CLM. CLM. The, I'm forgetting it as well. It's, it's <laughs> The uh, council of logistics management. Thank you. The council of logistics management. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, but, but let's strike that part and let me start over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so not only ASCM, but the Institute of Supply Management mm -hmm. and other logistics related organizations are, are starting to work on this. Lastly, what I'd like to suggest is that as we look at our time together in terms of addressing these things, there is information available on YouTube, Google, other sources. But also, I want you to think about how you can address this within your organization by challenging them to develop the leadership to understand what your risks are and draw a simple tool such as a value stream map. And this tool simply says from supplier to our end customer, how long is our lead times, what are our value added activities and not. Then once you can draw a value stream map, you can look at what if there is a risk issue and how does that impact the various parts of our value stream? And you can also look at our value chain. How do we provide value to our customer base and the industries that we're involved in? Mm -hmm. Once again, if there's a risk, a challenge that we're not even thinking about, how can we at least be prepared for that and be responsive quickly? Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're talking about ASCM, who's been around for many, many years, you know, started in the 50s, ISM. The Institute of Supply Management, again, have been around many, many years, have significant experience behind the organizations and truly have success stories to share, uh, as we know, Ralph. Ralph, I want to thank you for your time today. Any other final thoughts before we close? Every time I close a presentation, I have traditionally had a tagline that I share, and it's be careful out there. Mm -hmm. It's back from the Hill Street Blues TV show. Oh, yeah. And the reason why I want to close with that is when we think about being careful with our supply chains and our risks, it adds a whole new perception for our customer base of how careful we really are with our fragile relationships of making sure we can deliver on our promises and make money. And we do that. Absolutely. And boy, have we learned that during COVID, uh, the mm -hmm. importance of fear buying, the importance of the financial health. Um, as well as making sure that, you know, our entire supply chain is healthy as we continue to see on the news today. So Ralph, again, thank you so much. Your experience and expertise sh truly shines. So thanks for spending some time with me today. Once again, it's a great honor and a pleasure. Thank you much. Mm -hmm. Thank you.